Staying healthy is a full-time job for everyone, but for Chelsea Tams, it's also a career. So I've really found that community building through visual communication is kind of my, my favorite thing to do, and I think I'll continue doing it for many years to come. That's Chelsea Tams, graphic designer and founder of Lettering Works. She's also living with polycystic kidney disease. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, Director of Marketing and Communications for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. I'm your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. Hi, Chelsea. Can you tell me a little bit about your personal history and experience with kidney disease to kind of start us off? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a pretty strong family history on my dad's side, actually. My grandma and her sisters had PKD. My dad, his brothers, and all of his male cousins also have PKD. And now the girls in my generation have PKD as well. So it's really been a strong pattern of back and forth between the men and women in my family in each generation, which is actually pretty unique. I haven't met very many other families with that same pattern. Um, So it's been very prevalent in my family there. And then I also have a grandma on my mom's side who was recently diagnosed with kidney cancer. So there's kind of lots of different kidney diseases and things happening throughout all of my family. And then it's kind of trickled down to me as well. Wow. So was kidney disease a topic of discussion growing up? Like, is that something you knew about? I have a lot of very distinct memories of polycystic kidney disease in my family and in my life, starting with when my grandma was on dialysis when I was very young. She had a transplant when I was pretty young as well from my dad's cousin, Kim. And my grandma always loved to brag that it was the best, healthiest kidney that the doctors had really ever seen. That was really like one of my early memories of polycystic kidney disease when I was even younger than I can really remember the specific age. So it's always been kind of around. And then growing up as well, I was used to my dad being on dialysis. Specifically, I could remember times when he would travel with us and he'd have to carry his whole machine, which was obviously very heavy. So I have lots of memories of him with his dialysis machine, some of the challenges that come with that. But then also he had two different transplants. The first one didn't take as well, but the second one, he had a living donor, somebody from his church named Bob who donated. And so I I feel like there's lots of different experiences that I've had, and I've really just gotten used to them being part of my family's communication and life in general. Definitely a lot of experiences, but of course it changes a little bit when it becomes more relevant to you personally, and you have to start going through the different things and figuring out what do you have to change in your life or what do you have to think about. So when were you diagnosed with PKD? We kind of knew that I would have polycystic kidney disease for the majority of my life just because of that strong pattern. And it wasn't actually until September of 2019 that I was officially diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease after lots of tests, which ended up being the thing that we thought it would be, uh, but I can actually feel my kidneys in the front, um, which is not typical. So I have definitely a lot of cysts already on my kidneys and they're enlarged. And sometimes I can feel it a little bit on my left side. So that kind of led that weird feeling because you shouldn't be able to feel your kidney led to me doing some tests and then being officially diagnosed with it. Yeah. So that's so interesting. So what is PKD? What is polycystic kidney disease? You mentioned that your kidneys have cysts. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is? 
Yeah, so I think the best way to describe polycystic kidney disease is exactly that. Lots of cysts form on your kidneys over time, and they can grow pretty large, actually, up to a couple centimeters or maybe even bigger. So your normal kidney size is about the size of your closed fist. But when you have polycystic kidney disease, your kidneys can really become enlarged up to the size of a football, actually. Um, And I've seen some very disgusting pictures online, so (laughs) it's not for the faint of heart to look those up. But just think of it as like a really expanded, massive kidney, and it loses function over time as these cysts develop. So Mm -hmm. they form over time, they grow. Sometimes they can pop, which is painful as well, and cause some Mm -hmm. blood and things like that. But ultimately, it decreases your kidney function, and there's no real cure for PKD at this point. There's one FDA-approved medication out there, and then there's also dialysis and ultimately a transplant. So a lot of PKD patients really try to prolong their kidney function and then end up having to go either on dialysis or getting a transplant as a way to bring back that kidney function and health so they can live a normal life. And so after transplant, does the transplanted kidney then grow cysts eventually or is it kind of a, it sort of ends the chain? Yeah. So to my knowledge, it really ends the chain and you don't develop cysts on your new kidney. I'm sure there could be a possibility of that happening in very Mm -hmm. rare cases. But actually, one of the interesting things that I've learned is that they typically don't take out your existing kidneys. Really, the worst case scenario with polycystic kidney disease from like a physical standpoint is that your kidneys can get so large that they actually impact other organs. So in those cases, it's possible to get those kidneys taken out. So actually, both my dad and my uncle had their kidneys taken out. And that's where I've seen the actual picture of their kidneys. And they Mm. are very, very huge um, compared to what a normal kidney looks like. And that's where some of those pictures and in those images that I definitely have kind of ingrained in my mind come from is those actual kidneys and how large they were. And like I mentioned before, it can be up to the size of a football. And that's really a lot of weight to be carrying around in your body when you basically have two football-sized kidneys inside of you. But there is a risk for complications with taking those out. So a lot of times that they leave them in to not cause any further complications. But if you do have issues with the kidneys impacting other organs or just your comfort level to a degree that you can't function as normally, they do consider taking them out and then leave you with the one healthy kidney. And that's another thing that a lot of people in the kidney space know, but outside of it, people don't always realize that you only need one kidney to function and live normally. And that's why living donation is such an important part of not necessarily coming up with a cure, but coming up with these treatment options and providing a better quality of life for anyone with polycystic kidney disease. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. So talk to me about what you thought and felt after you were diagnosed. You, you Sounds like you knew this was coming, but once you have that diagnosis in writing, talk to me about what that felt like. Yeah. So it's definitely a different feeling watching someone else go through it, knowing about it with your family and kind of being that support or just experiencing it from that perspective. But when it becomes personal to you and you really have to start taking action in terms of educating yourself and making sure you're doing the right things and making sure you're monitoring your numbers and all of these things that come with like really having to address what's happening, it's a completely different ballgame. And I think that that was the biggest thing for me is I've always known that this would affect me and in my family, it typically doesn't have an effect on people until maybe later 30s, 40s, 50s, when it gets to the point where you actually have to really put a strong treatment 
plan in place. And one of the biggest focuses for people who have been recently diagnosed is addressing your diet and making sure typically that you don't have a lot of sodium. And then there's a couple other things as well. So that really hit me hard in terms of frustration of Mm -hmm. figuring out, okay, what can I eat now? What do I have to adjust? Do I have to like cut everything out? And I kind of went overboard in terms of thinking, okay, I can't eat anything anymore. All I can eat is plain white rice and boiled unseasoned chicken. And I remember specifically for me, it kind of led to me just eating less overall because I was afraid Mm -hmm. of eating the wrong things. So I wouldn't really eat snacks as much. I wouldn't really eat big meals because I felt like everything was bad. So that was just a huge um, frustration. But then there was also the relief of having this familiarity with the disease. And so has this diagnosis impacted your work at all? Tell us a little bit about what you do for work. I am a graphic designer and lettering artist. I focus a lot on branding and all sorts of fun community projects. I've been in business for about five years working for myself. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time on is coming up with passion projects to kind of focus my career and where I want to go next with either the type of work that I want to be doing, the type of clients that I want to be working with, all these different things. So after sitting with that frustration for a little bit of, I don't know what to do with this diet, I am dreading doing this research. I want to educate myself, but it's really painful to do that because I just feel overwhelmed. I really got the idea to build a passion project around a renal diet. And as I said, I love branding projects. I would love to do more work with local restaurants and cafes. So I knew maybe combining these two things would really put a fun spin on things. And additionally, I do research all the time for client projects, and I have very little frustration with that. It's just part of my creative process. So I really thought maybe I can build a project around what I'm dreading doing personally so I can focus on the end result, on the creativity, and then that research can kind of become a natural part of my creative process and just kind of build up to what I'm excited about doing. So that really informed a project that I came up with I started it shortly after my diagnosis, but I launched it in March of 2020 for National Kidney Month and really wanted to spread awareness and figure out, okay, how can I make this really a fun way for me to one, raise awareness for polycystic kidney disease, two, provide some hope for those that like me had this PKD and some frustration about a renal diet, and then three, also open up some space for conversation and connection. And that's really, this project has grown into way more than I could have ever anticipated because it was so rooted in this personal frustration that so many people with PKD experience. And then it also just took a really fun spin on raising awareness for the disease in general and integrating it into my work. And I think that for me, it's been such a huge positive impact because a lot of times our personal lives and our work lives are pretty separate Mm -hmm. and they're both competing for our time, of course. So being able to combine these two things and put it into one allowed me to work through those frustrations and research, but also do what I love doing, attract new clients and really build my business at the same time. Yeah, that your pro- it's called Cool Beans, your this project you're talking about. And it's sort of what brought us together. We're now working together on some projects for in KFI. So it sounds like this is really truly a passion for you. Your diagnosis and your love of design and drawing is kind of meeting in the middle for this project. Is, is that fair to say? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I can honestly say working with the National Kidney Foundation so far has been one of my favorite projects to date. And I think it comes from that initial passion. Of course, so many graphic designers are passionate about what they do, but a lot of times we work on things that are less fun or maybe the design itself is fun, but the content isn't always our favorite. So it's really cool to be able to take this personal part and like kind of magnify it and figure out how do I find the right people who are doing the work and almost insert myself in a place to say, this is the content like I should be reading through everything that the National Kidney Foundation has. And really, I'm a client as well as I could kind of plug myself in and learn the information through my design process once again. So that's, for me, a really fun way to add a unique perspective to the project, but also learn a lot personally as I go through the work. Yeah, absolutely. That has been huge in working together, I think, for hearing from you from the the patient side of things as well as the expert graphic designer side of things. It's kind of this this perfect blend for the project we're working on together. Were you always drawing and designing, like even as a child? Yes, I always love doing art. And I really, I feel like I'm one of the rare people that figured out exactly what they wanted to do in high school (laughs) and never looked back, never changed. And I honestly don't have really any plans of changing. So I was hyper-focused since I was about 16 on pursuing graphic design as a career and have really stuck with it and kind of just run full speed ahead ever since. So I like to kind of highlight that an a class just in high school really sparked that interest of I've always loved to draw, but I didn't know how to turn it into a career or build Mm -hmm. a business around it or just find a job in general. But learning about graphic design and communication and visual communication really put me on this path. And then additionally, just being exposed to the advertising world and saying, oh, we can make these really beautiful, important messages and communicate. And that really put me on this path. So I started my own business lettering works in 2016, right after graduating from Bradley University and winning some startup funding. And having that startup funding really kind of opened up this opportunity for me to create these passion projects and be more proactive with my career. And looking back on the past five years, most of what I do is centered in community, whether that's a community for a geographical location like Peoria or Chicago, or building community around the chronic illness community in general, around PKD, around women in business. So I've really found that community building through visual communication is kind of my my favorite thing to do. And I think I'll continue doing it for many years to come. That's wonderful. That's incredible that you were able to start your own business so soon after college. That really takes a lot of initiative and a lot of hard work, I'm sure. Do you think that having a chronic illness like PKD has affected your drive or the way you run your own business aside from like your the passion project element? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest impact that having a chronic illness has on being a business owner is having to be a little bit more honest with yourself about your limits, about what you're comfortable with, about what really works for you. And that's one of the struggles I think a lot of people face in the corporate world is the corporate world isn't designed for every variation of chronic illness and different type of person. So it can be really hard sometimes to kind of be in the wrong job or be in a job that doesn't necessarily support your unique chronic illness. So for me, and this is 
kind of my earlier experience with chronic illness, I actually had a spinal fusion surgery when I was 14 from T2 to T12. So I have um, two bars in my back and about 17 or 19 screws and had one of my ribs removed to fuse my spine. So I've always had chronic illness and disease and, and all these different things kind of in my life. And that one is definitely at this point in my life impacted my business more in terms of one specific example I can give is I, while I'm an artist and a designer, a lot of people recommend that I go to different art shows or set up a booth at a vendor event. And that's something that I t- typically shy away from just because it can be hard for me to stand for long periods of time mm-hmm. or lift really heavy objects. So the setup and stuff like that can be pretty tricky. So one of the most beautiful and exciting things about owning my own business is I know that about myself and I can find a different way to build my business. I can work wholesale and sell my enamel pins and postcards to the Field Museum and Wrigleyville Sports and the Chicago History Museum. And that's something that works so much better for me because I'm able to do something that I can physically do, that I can mentally do, and that I can sometimes even do from the comfort of my own bed. If I have back pain or pain on my side from my kidney disease, I'm able to just do what works for me. And back to the corporate setting, there's not that flexibility and option Mm -hmm. there. So I've really seen a huge impact of how I I've tailored my business and my life around my chronic illness and making sure that I'm in a position to be comfortable, to be doing what I love, but also to be supporting those extra needs that I have. And I think a lot of people with chronic illness can relate to that and always hope that their corporate jobs and their employers really support that flexibility because I think a lot of times we just kind of overlook that or we don't think about how hard it is for certain people to do certain tasks that are kind of more generally recognized as easy or simple for everyone, but we're all completely different and have very unique challenges, very unique situations. And having your own business sometimes can mean that you can really craft what you need around around those specific needs, whether it's health needs or mental health needs or anything else. Yeah, that's fantastic insight. What other advice do you have for an aspiring entrepreneur who wants to maybe start their own business, but they're afraid that having a chronic disease might hold them back. Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice is to really just be honest with yourself about your limitations because it can be easy to kind of fall into a pattern of excusing yourself because of your chronic illness and and other people might not understand what you're going through in terms of what's easy for you, what's hard for you. So just figuring out what would work for you and seeking out those things and and being okay with saying no to something that everyone else sees as normal. So that example of setting up artwork at a vendor fair, if that's physically challenging for you, it's okay to say no to that and figure out a different way. I think a lot of times when we start an entrepreneurship, we see what other people are doing. We want to emulate that. We want to be successful like them. When you have a chronic illness, you really have to think about, okay, what do I need for myself and how can I build a business and a career around that? And mm-hmm. it's completely okay if it looks nothing like the other businesses that you've been inspired by or connected with in the past. You can make something that's really unique to you. But then at the same time, I think you have to be honest with yourself and not say, I have this opportunity. It's okay if I fail because I have a chronic illness. You still have to work really hard and figure out what works for you. But at the same time, you need to be okay with that looking completely different from what you may be used to. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. What encouragement do you have for folks who are maybe 
just diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease and like you are feeling frustrated about what to eat, how to exercise, how to take care of themselves. The biggest piece of advice that I have would be finding someone else who's in a similar position to you. And I didn't really think much about this until I launched the Cool Beans Project. And a really unexpected result of the project was how many people reached out to me sharing their own experiences. And specifically, one thing that will always stick out in my mind is that a close friend, Chad, actually commented when I first shared the project on social media. And he said, I have the same thing. I have PKD. And we had been friends for a little while and had no idea that we had that in common. So it was really cool to realize we both had PKD and we could share our experiences and questions and go to this doctor or here's how the best way to get a test or things like that, that really just made it more normal, more relatable. And it wasn't just talking with our families, which obviously have that history there and we're familiar with it, but really talking to someone your own age can be really, really helpful Mm -hmm. and recognizing that you're not in this bubble by yourself. Other people are experiencing this disease and you're not alone. I think that's a really big thing because it's so, so frustrating to feel like you can't eat anything or you can't do anything, but being able to kind of share some of those struggles with somebody who's similar in age to you, similar in stage of kidney disease and things like that can be really, really encouraging and supportive. And that's kind of one of the reasons that I created Cool Beans was just to create this space. And if anyone needs that first connection, that first person to answer some questions for them, or just kind of be that example of you can live with this you can be successful still and be happy. I want to be that person for other people and make sure that we're kind of, we're all in this together. And there's questions that we might have that other people don't understand. So how do we connect with others in a similar situation so that we can feel less alone, that we can get our questions answered and that we can really still live that positive life? Yeah. That sounds like community is just so important and finding someone you can talk to about this kind of stuff is just so huge. So where can people go to find out more about you and your work and the Cool Beans Project? All of the information on Cool Beans is available on my website, letteringworks.com forward slash cool beans. And that's where people can download the menu. Also, just learn more about the project, learn more about my history with um, polycystic kidney disease. And then I also have a small line of stickers and products that people can purchase as well. And one thing that I didn't mention yet is that living donation is a huge part of polycystic kidney disease and a potential cure or solution for so many people. So that's definitely a big part of the project as well and making sure that we're advocating for living donors and providing resources and, and support and encouragement for those people as well. So in addition to what we've already talked about, that's part of Cool Beans. There's definitely an element of living donation and promoting that. So I have a One Bean Club sticker and a living donation, living donor sticker as well that I'm always happy to share with people who have been selfless enough and kind enough to donate one of their kidneys, whether it's to somebody who's living with PKD that they personally know or an undirected donation. I can personally say all of the items from the Cool Beans Project are so cute and so pretty. They're beautifully designed. I have some of the stickers and a magnet on my refrigerator. It makes me smile every time I look at them. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business and Your positivity is infectious, and I just can't thank you enough for what you're doing for the kidney community as a whole. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah Jane. This has been wonderful, and I'm excited to roll out this new brand as well. Me too. Thanks so much. Inspiration can be found anywhere. Sharing your story with words, paint, pottery, drawing, or whatever inspires you can be a useful tool for expressing yourself and educating others about your illness like Chelsea has done. You can learn more about Chelsea's work and the Cool Beans Project at letteringworks.com, and you can learn more about polycystic kidney disease at pkbcure.org. At NKFI, prevention is a big part of our mission. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health and nutrition tip. Here's today's nutrition tip about reading food labels. Understanding how to read a food label can help you make smart food decisions that are good for your health. The food label will list how many servings are in a container and what the serving size is. Serving size is another term for portion or helping of the food we eat. You'll want to pay attention to what the serving size is as oftentimes many containers, cans, and packages are more than one serving. For example, a can of soup, it's likely to be two or more servings. The calories on the food label are telling you how many calories are in one serving, not the entire package. If you eat more than one serving, you'd have to multiply that by the number of calories listed to know how many calories you consumed. The percent daily value column lets you know how many nutrients are in one serving or the percentage of nutrients in that one serving. A percent daily value of 5% or lower means that it's a low source and 20% or higher is a high source. If you're looking for low sources of sugar or sodium, look for a product that has 5% daily value or less per serving. Use the total fat, saturated fat, and trans fat listed to help guide you as you limit how how much of these you eat. Too much saturated fat and trans fat may increase your risk of certain chronic diseases like heart disease, some cancers, or high blood pressure. Many people are not getting enough dietary fiber, vitamin A, vitamin C, calcium, and potassium in their diets. You can see what percentage of these nutrients are in a serving of the food at the bottom of the food label. Aim for 20 to 35 grams of fiber a day and make sure you're drinking plenty of water as well. If you're looking for phosphorus on the food label, chances are you'll not see a specific amount, but you can look at the ingredient list to see if there are any added sources of phosphorus. You'll find those by looking in the ingredient list and looking for words that start with P-H-O-S. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Press, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois.